Welcome to Day 248, Season 2, Shaped by the Word, the Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Camp here with Cindy Camp and David Keefe. Uh, we continue without any Kreskis in our midst as uh, they should be uh, inviting Jane into the world or welcoming Jane into the world, which I'm sure is not quite a pleasant thing for Katie right now, but it would be good to get over <laughs> with. So by the time you've heard this, uh, Jane will probably have been with us for a couple of weeks. Uh, Isaiah 59. Let me remind you of what is happening in Isaiah. Chronologically, we've we've moved backwards because in our reading of history uh, of the uh, Old Testament, we have gone through uh, the people of Israel being judged and spread into the nations, exiled to Babylon, uh, and even returning from the exile to build in a kind of a meager way uh, both the temple and the walls, but the people are still... I have not experienced the return of the glory of the Lord. Now, Isaiah is writing uh, decades uh, before any of this is happening. He is preparing the people for this to happen. He's calling them to repent because in their prosperity, they're going through the motions, but uh, their hearts are far from God. Uh, They're not reaching out into compassion to those around us and uh, loosening cords of oppression around them. So you have that kind of, you know, that kind of picture and God, God will judge them. He will not hear their voice. And so you also have Isaiah projecting, you know, to the very end when they do find themselves in exile. They're not ready for it now. There's an exile. How's that ever going to happen? Uh, but he's projecting to the very end and pointing them to uh, the hope of their salvation. And, of course, the hope of their salvation is in the arm of the Lord. And that's where we'll begin as we read Isaiah 59 uh, today. So, Cindy, why don't you open us with a word of prayer? As, as always, we if we treasure the moments we come to Scripture, not because it's a great book, which it is, not because it's a good story, which it is, not because it's wonderful literature, which it is, but because it is the heart of God infused with the power and the person of God. And it's what we call in Reformed tradition a means of grace. And by that and, and some people call it a spiritual discipline. I don't like that because that emphasizes the hard work we put in. Mm-hmm. Means of grace emphasizes what God does when we come into his presence. He moves in his spirit through his word to continue his work in us. And that's what we desire more than anything else. And that was a longer introduction to prayer than I intended to have. Wow, I feel really Cindy, <laughs> let, us, yeah, let, let, us, sure. let us pray. I'll pray briefly. <laughs> Father, we do thank you for the joy that is ours as uh, we're invited into this time of your word. Um, I just pray that your spirit would open our hearts and our minds uh, to the the joy that can be ours here in this word and in this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Their cobwebs are useless uh, for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they have made. Their deeds are evil deeds. The acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along with them 
will know peace. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all its darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grip along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears and moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none. For deliverance, but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight. Our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. And we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever sends evil becomes a prey. Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was none. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on a garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay. Wrath to his enemies and retribution to his soul. He will repay the islands for their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, who is on you, will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. So you have, as you always do in prophecy, you have a mixture of uh, redemption mm-hmm. and judgment. You have a mixture of grace and, and, and of wrath. Uh, in these, and you flow, you know, nicely. You know, nicely. This is a hard word to say. You flow, you know, seamlessly from one, you know, from one to the other, because both of these are part of. And, and God's character is not separate. It's not like sometimes He's acting in justice and sometimes He's acting in mercy. God is mm-hmm. always acting in justice, and He is always acting in mercy. Mm-hmm. And there, in His justice, there is a deep sense of mercy. In His mercy, there is a deep sense of justice. And we said that a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. His ways are higher than our ways, and thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's not anything we can hold together in our mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God is always true to himself. And in being true to himself, he is true to all that is good and pure and, and holy. So when he acts in judgment, he is acting according to his character. When he acts in mercy, he's acting according to his character. And this is obviously a... A hard chapter to read just because he gets so into the depths of human depravity on yeah. every what, single. But what yeah. crazy angle. poetry. It, oh, it's so poetry I mean, is, the, way it's he just, the way he just, the way he beautifully describes it. It's awesome. What a beautiful, it's ugly stuff. thing he's describing in, in, like, in the middle oh of this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It, and what we get in English is, you know, I am told, I, am, I'm, I can pack my way through Hebrew. Uh, but I am told what we receive in English is nothing like the beauty of how this flows as a scathing rebuke in the language of those who originally heard it. It just kind of has a driving rhythm that goes with all of those, you know, vivid images. But I do like how even really the whole core middle of this chapter is just that rebuke, but it is bookended with, with mercy or grace. However, you, you know, he starts it with surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. But then he also ends it with that 
You know, the Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. And so there is this, obviously, this reminder of who God is, and, and they've seen that arm of the Lord, you know, take them out of Egypt and be used in mighty ways, and and they're still reminded that you can repent and, and turn back, yet his rebuke is pretty scathing. But it is mixed with mercy, as you said. And, and, and you need to hear in the beginning about the middle of verse you know, 15, or you can do 15. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever mm-hmm. sends evil becomes a prey. I mean, even people who are righteous are made fun of, yeah. you know, goody-goodies or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene, so his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained them. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance and he wrapped himself in zeals. And of course, he's referenced there is to Christ, mm-hmm. the, uh, the arm of his salvation and the righteousness uh, that sustains him. What he could not find in us was found in Christ. And mm-hmm. of course, Christ is the one who executes uh, both the unit of justice and mercy. You know, sometimes when you teach Paul, you talk about, you know, we we have a tendency to not be self-aware as far as really looking at how deep the sin goes in our own hearts. And we know that even our hearts are deceitful and, um, you know, it's not the ticky-tacky sins, but the imagery here and just the beauty of explaining who we really are and just in complete darkness um, and that, that God has to be separated from us because he is the opposite of all that he is holy and he cannot you know have fellowship with us because of who we are and how deep this goes and yet he has been able to administer salvation he intervenes through christ and this is so beautiful just the gospel all over this no you have that your iniquities have separated you from god and and of course you even had that when we went through the tabernacle that you know tabernacle represents two things it represents god's presence in the middle of his people Mm -hmm. but it also represents the uncomfortable distance between god and his people because Mm -hmm. you have the you have the curtain then you have the inner court then you have the outer court then you have the levites yeah. you know guarding the entrance to it just the way the cherubim were guarding the entrance back into god's presence in the garden and, and so there's not a comfortable existence between a sinful people and god and it's not only for his sake and his renown which primarily it is for his sake and his renown but it is also for our good everything that is for his glory is for our joy uh in in um, and so he's, he's not just a righteous God who can't be near sin. He's a jealous God who wants much better for us, mm-hmm. you know, than our sin. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you're getting hints. You, we, we need to pick this up. You're getting hints yeah. right there at the end of chapter 59 of one day we're going to solve this problem because mm-hmm. I'm going to, and I love the way he says it, I'm going to put my spirit on you, mm-hmm. and you're never going to stop talking about me. Mm-hmm. Your affections are going to be so stirred. Uh, you know, that uh, you, you just kind of naturally, when you're together, mm-hmm. want to extol me and talk to me. As far as, <laughs> as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, and the lips of your children, and the lips of their descendants for this time and forevermore. Yeah. And so we have a foreshadowing of uh, the new covenant promise of the pouring out of the whole the holy mm-hmm. spirit and that's going to become a little more vivid as we move through this week uh, but it's just a precious hint you know of what is what is to come mm-hmm. well uh, 
was trying to remember who started us off in prayer you know, after that wonderful introduction. Cindy, why don't you close us in prayer? Oh, Let's just okay. do that. Yeah. Let's book in. Book in with Cindy. Right. Yeah. There we go. Father, just stand in awe of who you are and all that you have done for us, a people who were at one time your very enemies, and yet you have brought us near through the blood of your son, and that is just amazing. Um, that's all I can say. Lord, thank you. Amen. Amen.